Hello everyone and welcome to the, the Stuttering Springboard, a podcast to focus on helping young people spring to the next level in life and educate the population what it means to be a person who stutters and the experiences that they have. In this episode, Ryan Nolan is joined by Rob Bloom, Creative Director for Universal Parks and Resorts in Orlando, Florida, and Todd Slutsky, longtime advertising creative director, as well as select other departments for rooms to go in Atlanta. Joe Donaher is also here with us to provide his input in this captivating podcast. Good evening. My name is Brian Nolan. I'm, I'm the founder of the Nolan Stuttering Foundation, um, and uh, we want to welcome you to our speaker series. Just for some quick background, Nolan Stuttering Foundation's primary purpose is to bring young people who stutter together and help them to become the best versions of themselves. We do this through programming designed to help them share and navigate the unique communication challenges they experience as they take that next step in life from say eighth grade to um, high school and and then college and career. Uh, Tonight's talk is called Market Yourself and Your Stutter. Uh, This talk will be led by two creative, very funny and highly successful marketing professionals who stutter. Uh, They will discuss the impact that stuttering has played in their lives and, and in choosing their professions. I want to introduce Rob Bloom. Uh, Rob is uh, creative director for Universal Parks and Resorts in North America, where he regularly presents to large groups of people. And he also drinks his weight in butterbeer. I actually had to look up what butterbeer was, and it's a lot of it's a sweet drink in the Harry Potter movies. He lives in Orlando with his wife, two kids, and a gigantic puppy. And Todd Slusky is an Atlanta Atlanta neighbor native and father to three children, teenage children he adores. Todd is a longtime advertising creative director with 25 years experience leading teams in a mix of traditional and digital agencies. Since uh, February, 2021, he, has, he leads a digital creative team um, and other departments at rooms to go in Atlanta. Uh, so we're gonna join this conversation in progress and uh, thank you for being here this evening. Uh, that I'm actually going um, in, into the Universal Parks in a couple hours. Um, we shoot a lot of episodic content. So we'll shoot like different YouTube series, um, whatever, about the hotels, about the food, about the attractions, about the making of the attractions, about behind the scenes of this or that, um, all related to the parks, mostly Hollywood and Orlando. And I'm actually going, uh, into the office, well, into the parks in a few hours. Um, we have an overnight shoot because we need to shoot our stuff at a time when it doesn't really interfere with the guest operations. So um, so we'll be there from midnight until 10 a.m. So uh, if anyone wants to text me jokes during the night or anything funny, please feel free. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's um, I always loved theme parks and I always love being creative and having an outlet for that and uh and advertising was great but this working for 
universal. Um, it's just been a great experience in terms of getting to be creative and script writing and directing and that type of thing on, um, you know, for some pretty cool properties. Like, for example, we're doing the attraction we're shooting in tonight is Spider-Man. Um, but we do a lot of stuff for Potter. Uh, there's going to be some stuff coming up for Super Mario. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's um, I won't say no two days are the same, but there is definitely a lot of different mixed in there. Busy life, busy days, huh? Busy days. And raising a family at, at the same time. Busy days, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Todd, Todd, tell us about your days. Tell us about what you do. Sure. So, so I'm Todd Slutsky. I live in Atlanta. Um, so I've known Rob for 12 or so years. Um, like Rob, work, work on advertising. Been in digital advertising for a long time. And kind of the thing Rob said is true for me as well. In 25 years in the business, I've never had the same day twice. It's been my favorite part of it. My brother works in finances. He does auditing. He has a lot of the same day. There's always a new challenge. And there's a phrase that said, like, the best laid plans of mice and men. In advertising, you're always pivoting. We, have it, we work exactly to make a very clear plan, and then stuff goes wrong every time. And what's fun about it, I love, is, as a creative lead, is to use my brain to solve, to, to strategically solve a problem using creativity. It's a whole balance and it's a lot of fun. Um, again, I live in Atlanta. I worked for a furniture company. I worked, at, worked in ad agencies for 25 years. And now I work full-time for a company, which is a nice change. As my kids got older, I wanted a more stable role, but it's nice. Right, right. So so how did you, you guys know each other? You guys, when I, you guys seem to have a very uh, same sort of off-center sense of humor. Um, how do you know each other? I remember this exactly. So this is 12 years ago. Some weirdo starts messaging me on Twitter, starts like liking my tweets. And or he, I think he lives in Philadelphia. And I'm like, why is this weirdo liking my tweets? Why is this guy in Philadelphia liking my tweets? And all of a sudden, like and after enough things, I'm like, hey, who are you? He's a nice guy. He's like, hey, I'm moving to Atlanta. It was smart. <laughs> <laughs> and then we met Rob, if I recall, I tried to bring him for some freelance. It was meh. But then I think maybe through me, you met Joel at IQ. Is that accurate? That's, that's absolutely true. And yeah. Um, yeah, so we actually only, I, I mean, we didn't even really work directly. I don't think we've ever really worked directly together on a project, you know, but yeah. um, we did kind of hang around the same office for a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I always like to know good people. And if you can work with good people, even better. But just to know good people in the advertising business is not always so easy because yeah, there's good people, but there's a lot of jerks. So um, when you meet Rob, someone who's Rob's a Mitch, to use the term from, from <laughs> Rob's a good no, person. But I mean, when you meet someone, you know, who's honest and yeah. kind, you want to stay in touch with them because they're not always uh, easy to find. Now, now you both stutter. At, yeah. You both stutter. Tell me, like, when did you find out that you both stutter? And because I'm sure it's not something that you advertise a lot. Is this true? No. I, Rob, I think you posted something on LinkedIn about the group. And then I messaged you privately to say, mm -hmm. I'd like to be a part of it. I stuttered as a kid, too. Right? You know, I stuttered as an adult. But again, I might as well. I, I whispered it to you like a secret, because, again, as you're saying, it's 
one of my hidden shames, but one of my challenges was my stutter. So again, I, 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 Rob, is that your memory too? Like you posted something and I, yeah, I, wrote I, I don't think we ever really talked about it, you know, because when I was living in Atlanta, that part of my journey, I wasn't advertising it regularly. Yeah. That was past the phase when I was like, every single person I meet, I'm going to tell that I stutter and I'm going to have like this big, like intense confessional moment with the waiter or the waitress mm-hmm. sort of like where like everyone needs to know. So when I got to Atlanta, like I was already a little bit past that point and no, like it never came up when Todd and I were having conversations. And then about 10 years later, yeah. When um, mm-hmm. Brian, I got involved with you and your group. And as Todd said, he saw something that I posted about it and um, we kind of reconnected on stuttering. Uh, I'm intrigued here. At some point, you decided you were going to start to tell people, and you you you're going to advertise it. And you it was almost a freedom moment of sorts. Um, what what was the basis for that? What what made that happen? <laughs> so I mean, like, I do everything. I think I don't do moderation well. So with me. <laughs> everything is with, you know, the extreme. So when I was hiding from stuttering, I would go to extremes to hide it, you know, right. all the stuff, you know, substituting words, being sick on the day of a presentation, trying to, when we're reading out loud in class, counting how many heads are in front of me, and then yep. strategically trying to go to the bathroom and timing how long I could be gone. And I would never get the timing right. And I would always come back just as it's my turn. But like, I went to great lengths to hide it, you know, for about 30 years. And then I went to great lengths to advertise the, you know, the exact opposite and everyone's going to know. And I'm, you know, I stutter and I'm proud of it. And I'm going to kick off every single conversation. I'm going to advertise and advertise. And then eventually I realized I just had to find a happy medium. Todd, Todd, are you, are you somewhere in between yeah, that? I mean, I've, Stuttering is tied to the core shame of who I am. It's, it's like a dirty secret that I'm scared would, would come back at any given time. And I've always joked, I had a family thing that like, I'm one of three boys. I have an older, two older brothers. Adam stuttered, Miles mumbled, and I did both. And it was such a part of me that basically everything Rob said, the word avoidance, my last name is Slutsky. It is an awful last name as a stutterer. And I remember just my oldest brother can't, can't say her damn name. Um, and just parts of it. And like, I remember trying to hide it and battle it. And then, you know, again, it waxed and waned to use that expression. I don't remember talking about it directly. It, it wasn't something I could go straight at because it went too close to my heart. Mm-hmm. So I would go around it which I'll get to in a bit, but just, it, it had to go around it. Talk, talk about this journey of like how you're different today as a person who stutters as when you were a teenager and then became uh, a young adult, a professional. Um, how, how, has, how, is that, how has it impacted your life at different levels? Because I, 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 I say that because when I feel like when you're 15 and 16, it like, it guides your life. It's like, it's everything. It's like, you think about it every moment of the day. 
See, what's weird is I have, as Rob said, I have such, I, I have a visceral memory at 48 years old of being in like fourth grade and counting was coming towards me like, like, a, like a shark coming at me. Like, I'm going to have to speak. I don't remember that feeling in high school. So I, I don't know what point it got lessened. But That's then, so funny. But then, the as, same way. but then as I got older, so Rob and I both chose professions where we were on essentially stage. If you want to sell an idea to your boss, you got to get up in front of the room and present your idea. And then if they like it, and often, and if you didn't like it, he would, they would deride you. And I said, he, because it used to be always guys, they would make fun of you truly like make, if you were not <laughs> funny or clear, they would make fun of you to the room because people are a-holes. And then if they liked it, then you had to go to the client presentation. Well, there was a period of time in my late twenties where I was terrified of public speaking. And it was like, like I would sweat, I would get nervous. I would just get nauseous. And I remember I was 29 and because I didn't want to present my career hit a wall. I got a little, it's just, it's hard to talk about it. And I, cause my boss would go present and he would sell in his ideas cause you know, they were his ideas. And I realized if I couldn't solve this, if I chose this GD profession and I wouldn't be successful, I had to get over this hill. So at 29 years old, I did Toastmasters. Because wow. I had to find a way to that cure it. And brave. I was so scared. And then I joked, like, I was worried it would be. And it turns out it's going to a, a club of people who hate heights who are going to ride roller coasters. No one wanted to be there. When I finally understood that, it helped me. Mm. And for me, what's interesting is I think we all, I believe with stuttering, it's all about a coping mechanism. How do you find a way to cope? Mm. And what I had to find is that I would never be, I will never be Tony Robbins. I will never speak thoughtfully. I will never speak slowly. I will never be this person. But who I can be, I can be hyper excited me and embrace me. And people, when I embraced me, people loved me. No, not everyone, you know what I mean? But right. I, I could be, you know, I, think, I think this is really similar for Rob, I'm going to guess. Like to be the, to take my passion and let that, like I can, even if I stutter, I have a work through I do where I'm, if I get caught in a word, I'll go, and I kind of, I'll reset. I will literally pop my mouth and it's like a reset and I'll make fun of myself, but me make fun of me, not someone else. If that makes sense. Mm. Rob. Yeah. It's so, so similar in so many ways. And that's interesting Todd, because we've never really talked about this, but yeah, yeah. like elementary school was murder. Middle school was probably even worse, you know? Um, yeah, the reading out loud, you know, like I remember my parents having long conferences with the teachers to let them know, don't call on Rob, don't call on Rob, don't call on Rob, which was like the greatest thing in the world until the day you get a substitute and the substitute doesn't know anything about that. And the, and the, and, and the substitute walks in and like, okay, we're going to read up and down the rows. So that was all <laughs> brutal. But yeah, like, I don't know what it was too, but I had a similar experience. High school, probably my senior year, like I just got a little more confidence. I kind of found a little niche being on the, on the school newspaper as a writer that gave me a little bit more confidence, but I don't really remember agonizing about stuttering, like towards the end of high school. Like I was just feeling more comfortable with it. I also gotten so good at hiding it, you know, at that point too. But then, yeah. um, you know, uh, just, 
Um, but yes, then when I started working and looking for a job in advertising, what you said is, is so true. Like I couldn't present. I didn't want to present. I had avoided presentations my whole life. And now I'm in a job where all of a sudden, like every day you need to basically be proving yourself. And you do that by presenting your work. And so I would write copy. I would write ads or a radio commercial or whatever. And then, you know, like I would have to present it. But me being so used to switching words on the spot, I'd write something. And then I would try like switching words on the spot. So God forbid I wouldn't stutter. But then all of a sudden what I'm saying doesn't really make sense because I'm switching words. So like I'm reading a radio script for, let's say, I don't know, whatever. It's for Napa Auto Parts. But all of a sudden, you know, I'm in the, I'm reading it and I can't say Napa or I'm afraid of saying it, or I'm afraid of saying auto parts. So I say whatever, Napa vehicles, because in that moment it could come out easier. And my bosses are looking at me like, who is this idiot who doesn't even know the name of our client? He's just, he's and so like, yeah. Yeah. To my detriment. And like Todd, um, I did Toastmasters. I had a couple stints with it. Mm. Um, I, I definitely found that helpful. Um, but yeah, and, and but still, even with Toastmasters, still carrying around that constant shame, all of the scars, the shame, and always feeling like I have to prove myself. Because I would go into Toastmasters and make speeches about stuttering. It was like, it wasn't like, I, I don't know, like, I just always felt the need to not justify, but yeah, maybe it is just prove myself and have people like, I don't know. Did, did you I guys, did you guys ever think that your stutter was going to prevent you from, from a career you wanted and maybe tied into that? How did you know you wanted to be in advertising and creative and really go into a field where your voices are actually pretty important and, and you're going to need to talk. And you probably had this sort of like back and forth, like, I really like this, but I don't want to talk in front of people. So you had moments of doubt probably, huh? Moments of doubt. Todd, you mentioned this earlier, like, I guess I'm not going to be what I think I can be. But I didn't know. I think we also have ignorance. Like we think of things from movies and TV. We don't know reality of a job. I did not know how important communication would be. And it's interesting as this. Oh, great. I, I knew I had a speech challenge. I didn't, I didn't define it as a stutter. I knew I had trouble talking. And I remember I got the job and I was so stressed. I needed the job. And for the first month I kept stuttering and I couldn't get out of it. I remember I had an eye twitch and like, I, I knew like it just, I was so stressed because it was like, it was insurance. It was the home I wanted, you know, it was everything in the job. And if I, and it kind of, it was a self-defeating prophecy. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is I can't explain this now, but I give talks in front of groups every day. I've now talked in front of hundreds of people. I don't have anxiety anymore talking, talking. Now I'll say this talk about, about talking, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of brings it back, but I'm grateful for at some point, like it, it, let's say all I did, all I did. If you do something for enough hours, you become more of a master at it. At some point, I've done this enough where I don't 
think about my stutter anymore. And I know I have techniques to get through it. I'm sure Rob, you do too. Yeah. Well, and I, so I think that's, I agree with everything that you just said. And for me, that only came from, I think, forcing myself to do it and doing the things that I didn't want to do. And so like, it makes me think about the first 30 or so years of my life, like having like really tried so hard to avoid everything. Like, I think the short term gain was good because I didn't get made fun of or I didn't get laughed at or whatever. I didn't have to go through that situation. But I think in retrospect, it was causing me more harm because I was just avoiding and it was building up stuttering to this even more powerful control over me. And when I just finally started to put myself in situations where I had to talk like a Toastmasters, like forcing myself to present at work, I feel like I started to take some, I started to take back the power yeah. from stuttering. So this is interesting. What yeah. you're saying is me too. I gave my speech challenges such power in my life. Yep. At some point, I'm going to try not to curse when I say this. I said, like, F you, <laughs> I'm in control. So in my mid twenties, I had a kind of a revelation about who I was. Like I used to be scared of heights, all this stuff. I started, hmm. I became a more adventurous person. Like I challenged myself. I became, I did skydiving, bungee jumping. I did scuba diving, all this stuff. I'm like that scared kid me. And again, I don't, I'll never know how much me being a stutterer added to scared kid me. But in my twenties, I said, excuse me, bullshit. I'm stronger than this. And when I started conquering things I thought I couldn't conquer, it then showed me I can do I don't know, anything's weird. I still can't dunk a basketball for God's sake, but I could Toastmasters is terrifying, but it wasn't. And then once I did that, I could kind of try most anything I could get. I could try it and get stronger at it. And again, that, that confidence, I think that's something that Rob and I both experienced. I've never done that before. Let me try it. Yeah. I'll stumble. I'll get better. I'll be good. I'll be great. Awesome. You know, you guys are talking about the 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 biggest block in uh, for us as people who stutter is the avoidance. And I, I use a term often: the only way out is through it. Yeah, and it's true. Um, if for everybody listening to this, uh, and this will, will become a podcast, um, please un understand that there's really no easy way out here. Like, but but the more you you talk, the more you you beat this 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 concept in, in your mind of shame and what and what stuttering is going to bring. And I, I remember being a professional at Aetna when I was 25 years old and having <coughs> having remarkably similar experiences to to you two. And I had to go to a public speaking class and record myself. I mean, it was like uh, and that was a moment of do I go or do I turn back? Am I going so, to advance? And when you want something more than your stutter, when you want yeah. something so bad that the grit and resilience surpasses this stutter, you get through it. Yeah. Um, something else you just made me think of, um, Brian, when you were talking about like grit and resilience, when I was in college, um, I don't know why I did this. Because looking back like this, this went against everything that I was uh, that um, that I was afraid of at the time, but I did this volunteer work where I would go, there was a program at the 
University of Florida where they wanted students to come in and read textbooks out loud for other students who were blind um, mm. or had other sight impairments where they couldn't read the textbooks themselves. And I would go into like a little booth and it was fine because I was, you know, by myself and I didn't stutter when I was by myself, but I would read these books out loud. And I remember there were a couple of days when I was in this little room and I'm reading these books into a tape recorder and I would like be, I, I, I was feeling so sorry for myself because of something that happened earlier that day or something that happened, you know, that morning about speech or stuttering or avoiding. And, and like, I remember there were a couple of times where I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself and then something hit me and I was like, like, what are you feeling sorry for yourself for? Like there, look at what you're doing. There are people who can't even see and people who can't even read a textbook. And so something about that event like hit me very powerfully and it kind of helped a little bit to help me stop feeling sorry for myself and realizing okay like stuttering kind of sucks but it's not the worst thing in the world so humorously i will say what got me the over the hump was anger and not and this is funny um i had a boss who i didn't like and my anger at him got me over the hump because i had to conquer it otherwise he would keep sorry, winning. <laughs> and so like my pettiness <laughs> really helped me like channel my energy. Cause if I didn't get my crap together, I couldn't, he'd win. So it was just really kind of funny and odd. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had this sort of uh, a visual of, of being on the sideline and watching the game and, and watching the game getting played and, and like, when am I going to get in? When am I going to get in? When am I going to get in? Um, and uh, you just got to jump in because because you want to win. Um, and winning, by the way, is not it's not fluent speech. Fluent speech. Winning is not letting your stutter stop you from doing what you really want to do. Uh, our goal here is not so people can be fluent. Our goal is to. Um, is to beat the mindset of avoidance and yeah. accept it to the degree that it's part of, of you. I, I was telling a doctor recently that I, I met about it and he said, okay, you stuttered. So, so what's your superpower? You, you must have something very unique about you. That's a superpower because you stutter. And I was like, right on, man. Uh, I think I listen pretty well. I think I'm pretty empathetic, pretty, inquisitive and have a high level of emotional intelligence because I stutter. Um, so I, how much of that goes back to, again, I think Rob is a kind person. I think I'm a kind person. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to have a stutter and be a jerk. It's a fair because, point. Because you, you where I'm as a, I'm always aware that I don't know what someone else is struggling with. I don't know what someone else's challenge is. And it leads to empathy and that, that kindness, you know, and also it leads to empathy to ourselves. It sure does. To yourself, because like, is that line, which is good about like being a goldfish or like, you know, to not hold on to negative thoughts. Cause you can go, oh, I wish I said it differently. Oh, you, you repeat it versus like, just let it go and move on. And that's one of the joys of forgiving yourself and just keep going. So uh, 
On a regular basis, um, how often do you disclose to people that you stutter? Both of you. Um, to be honest, I can't think of the last time that I did. Um, like I said, I went through a period in my life for a long time where it was, you know, centered around every conversation. And looking back at that, that was also giving the power to the stuttering too, because I made it a big deal. Like I remember when my um, now wife, you know, and I started dating, like I remember this intense sit down conversation where I was like, I've got to tell you something. And like, she probably thought, you know, that I was going to admit like a history of substance abuse. Like it was intense. And we were sitting at this booth at this restaurant and I was like, like, I've got to tell you something about me. You've got to know this. And she was like, what? And I was like, I stutter. And she's like, so, but like, but then like, I went through that process with several people, like meeting her friends, meeting like other people, like everyone I met, it was that intensity. And looking back, I was like, I made stuttering into this big, serious thing where we've got to sit down and talk about it. And like, I need to brace you before a conversation with me because I need to let you know what you're in store for. Like, like this whole mindset. And similar to what Todd was saying earlier, you know, like now if he's got a block or a, a block or he's uh, stuttering or something and he does a bit of a reset, I do the same thing. Like, like it, it, if I'm blocking, if I can't get it out, like I just need to be like blah, 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 blah. something like that, just to basically do a reset. And I make a joke about it. But other than that, no, like it's not something where I advertise on a regular basis. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly me too. Interesting enough. So again, in my mind at this point, I don't think of myself as having a stutter. I think myself as having speech challenges because I can't tell you between, do I just talk too dang fast? Do I mutter? I just know I have, I have challenge with communication. Mm. And yesterday in a meeting, when I'm stressed, I talk too fast. And it turns into a gibberish a little bit. So in the meeting, and again, I'm the boss. <laughs> I'm leading everybody. So I need to make sure I'm communicating. Otherwise, good Lord. Mm. So, but in the meeting, I stopped and said, sorry, let me restart. Like, let me restart. And I think I slowed down like 10%, which made me, I think, you know, go from gib gibberish to human. I don't notice, I have not called myself a stutterer in a long time. I haven't done that, but I'm aware of it when it happens, if that makes sense. So, so you guys are both in the advertising world, communication world. So I want to ask you um, what, really, really two things. What, what message do you want to share with the world about people who stutter? And then I want to ask a, a follow-up uh, how, how can we how can we spread the message? And I, I say this in a context that I think stuttering is a decade behind anxiety, depression, yeah. and maybe other things that are now being talked about that maybe weren't talked about. And so if you stutter, you feel about as alone as you can feel because no one's talking about it. My, my parents barely, barely talked about it except to have me go to a speech therapist now again. So it was this like shh, shh thing. And I, I want to make it not a sh sh thing. Yeah. So my advertising buddies, what do you think? 
so I think that if I had been in a group like this, like 10 years ago or 20 years ago, like my first thought upon hearing someone like Todd or myself talk or you, Brian, like my first thought would have been like, whatever, those guys yeah. don't really stutter. They don't know, like my speech is different from their speech. I'm listening to them. They're not stuttering. They don't really stutter. It's easy for, it's easy for, it's easy for them to say this. And the real, and, and, and so that's what I would have thought. And, and so again, maybe that was part of like the what was me thing, but I could not say a word. I could not say my name. I couldn't say, I, I couldn't read scripts. I couldn't put two words together without blocking. So I guess the thing that I would say is, you know, um, I mean, not if I can do it, anyone could do it because that's kind of cliche, but I mean, it gets better. It does get better. And whether that's age, whether that's confidence, whether it's just forcing yourself to talk, whether it's all of the above. But I think that I would tell the younger me that stuttering doesn't have to define your life. And it defined my life for so long, both as a kid trying to hide it and then the other way trying to advertise it to everyone. And it's taken me a long time to get to the place where it doesn't have to define me. It's part of me. I'll, I will always stutter. I will always have the scars, but it doesn't have to control. It yeah. doesn't control my life either yeah. positively or negative like it used to. Yeah. Yeah. So well said, Rob. So well said. You gave me goosebumps. And Todd, what, what message sure. do you want to share? Well, if nothing else, our our president was a stutterer. And is a stutterer. Is. 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 You're right. And that he still struggles with it. For me, that was very life affirming. And I will never forget the video of the kid who talked for him and who did a commercial endorsing him who stuttered. I, cr I cried my head off. It was such a moment of we are not alone bravery we are not invisible and i think we are this goes back to what you said brian is that there's a in, pick any group there's a stigma to it that our society has maybe made less less of a stigma i do believe that stuttering is still kind of invisible despite biden and i think it's such a and so many parents do put shame in the kid whether they mean to or not it just it's we have enough in us so i think the whole idea and I was already thinking, funny, funny, Rob, before you even said it, I have found that campaign so meaningful that it gets better. I know it's tied to LGBT, but I think it's true for anyone. Like it does get better. And even, even just how you know, even if your stutter didn't change, how you know yourself, how you're able to control, control your own feelings changes. So I think that's what's so interesting here is the whole idea is that expression that, you know, your actions didn't. You, you didn't make me mad. I let myself get mad. Like I, I have control. As you get older to recognize more and more, you have control of your own response to something. Mm. So I could, I can stutter. Like Robin, I both said, we both stutter to this day, have speech challenges, but we own it. We control it. We can like we're laugh at ourselves, reset it such that that is what it is. Mm. I compare my stutter to my bald spot. It's part of who I am. It's here. I'll make fun of me before you make fun of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. And I think like, I just remember little things. I remember being on an airplane. I don't know where I was flying to, but I was journaling. And, and this is like in my mid to late 
20s when I was really, really wrestling with this again and so frustrated. And I was on a plane and they were bringing like the drink cart around. And I was, and I wanted, I thought I wanted a Diet Coke, but there's no (laughs) way I could have said that because of the D and because of the C. And so then I started and and like, I actually found this journal recently and it's almost like the diary of a madman. It was so angry because I was just like, it was page after page after page of just venting and scribbling and underlining words. And it got to the point on like page four of like this angry journal entry where like I started to write, I don't even really know anymore what I want to order from the drink cart. I don't know what I want. Am I just ordering this because it's easier to say, do I even want a Diet Coke? Do I even want anything? And like, I was just so controlled by by this, by the fear of stuttering. And what if someone sees me stuttering and what is someone going to say? And again, I think the best antidote for me was just forcing myself to talk. And I remember something that worked really well. I kept a little, at this point, I'm like 30 and 31. And I kept like a pad on my refrigerator, like with a little sticky. And anytime I talked, even if it was just saying hello to someone on the street or like the person at the gas station, I would make a note. I said hello to attendant uh, or cashier and like, and how, like, however small. And what happened was at the end of the week, I would have a couple pages filled up with interactions, nothing elaborate or long interactions, but like, it was just, I was talking and I was keeping track of, I forced myself to talk. I forced myself to talk and just the confidence that happens when you look back and you're like, oh, you know what? I talked a bunch of times and sometimes I stuttered and sometimes I didn't. And when I did stutter, I'm still here. Um, that helped me. It, it, it's a series of small victories. You, you, have, you have a series of small victories or defeats in a day. And, you know, every avoidance is sort of setting you backwards and makes the next experience even more fearful. And, and the fear is way worse than the actual experience. I mean, the fear of classroom and I mean, all of us, all of us stutter a little bit differently, but we all have experienced pretty much the same thing. I'm, I'm amazed the more that I do this, the more that I, every, everyone I talked to had a reading out loud experience or looking at the uh, syllabus uh, the first day and seeing what week the presentation is or getting called out uh, by a uh, speech therapist in class um every looking like why is he going to this special thing like all these things we all that create shame that we we definitely have so rob ideas about how how to spread this message about what it means to be a person who stutters what it doesn't mean to be a person who stutters that we're not just nervous people that yeah. you know what i mean i i want to get this message out more uh, which is going to be part of the podcast series to do that. Any ideas there? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I I think stuttering is very confusing. And I think that's why so many speech pathologists kind of struggle with it. And like I've always said, we're at a disadvantage because it's invisible, you know, and we could hide it if we want to hide it, you know, you could substitute words. I mean, I'd go to meetings and interviews and pretend that I had laryngitis and I couldn't talk and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So you can go to 
great lengths to hide it. Um, but it's invisible. And then when that, when you do speak and it does come out, people often don't know how to react, you know? So they kind of take their cues from you. Mm-hmm. So if you're ashamed and you're not looking them in the eye or uncomfortable, you know, then they'll probably respond accordingly. Um, the, I don't know. There are, but there are so many stigmas, like you said, you know, about, oh, well, you're, this person's just nervous or something, you know, and that's definitely how it's presented in a lot of movies and stuff, you know, that the person who stutters is kind of a buffoon. You know, but, Joe Donaher, um, Joe Donaher, Dr. Donaher sent me a text last Saturday. He said, uh, today is National Stuttering Awareness Day. Act responsibly. And I was in Chicago doing, doing a, a conference that had just ended. I'm like, how am I going to act responsibly here? What am I going to do? So then I go to dinner with my wife and we're, we went to the bar because the affiliates were on and we could see it. And I sat next to this gentleman and the gentleman happened to be a neurologist with um, the, what do you call it? Government, the, the health department, National, National Institute of Health, a neurologist. And I was like, huh, I should act responsibly here and tell him that I'm now part of a study to see the DNA relationship here. And, um, and uh, so we had a long conversation we exchange contacts um, and now he's in my life. So I guess that's my message to you guys is to, we, we have the ability to share uh, with people that we speak with responsibly um, so that we can get the message out, either disclosing it um, in, a, uh, in a job interview, Andrew, right? Or uh, something like that. So that's, I guess that's my message is, disclose it and um but i'm i'm looking for people's help here you know well and i i think it goes back to something that we were talking about earlier like everyone is fighting some kind of invisible fight and everyone is kind of going through something whether it's stuttering or something else so i think the more we could be empathetic as people who stutter you know the more that we do connect with other people and and you know i think that's how ignorance ends by people meeting different kinds of people and learning from each other whether it's stuttering or something else yeah so let's stop hiding it and let's stop making it um control who we are and let's accept it as just a part of us um well and like i look back after so many years of shame and I look back and I'm like, you know what? Stuttering's actually given me a lot of gifts in my life. And that's something I never would have thought. Like, honestly, I be, I think the only reason I ever became a writer to begin with is because I couldn't talk so I can write instead. And that kind of led to a career. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I think mindset is everything. And I think instead of looking at it with shame, and I know that's easy to say, but, you know, instead of looking at it with shame and feeling sorry for ourselves, you know, looking at um, what are the good things or, you know, what, what are the positives um, 
from it because I do think that there are some. Let, let's um, let's open it up here to see if anybody wants to to ask Rob a question about his, his uh, career, about how how he uh, elevated um, there and challenges. Any questions at all from the audience? Anything from uh, Kevin or Andrew or Mary or Audrey or um, Amy's iPhone or Sarah? Brian, I have a question. This is Jake's mom, Amy. Hi. And I guess it's um, it's not so much of a question, but it's just a comment. You know, we try and talk about Jake Stutter as his superpower. Um, It has given him such opportunities um, and we always try and look at it in that light. And um, it's interesting because Jake writes a lot Um, and you wouldn't know it. Right. Because he's this athletic basketball kid. But he has been journaling and writing for a long time. So it's interesting to hear, um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, speak about that. And I think now it is because sometimes he couldn't get his message out, but he would get lost in his writing. So, um, you know, it's just interesting. And as a parent to hear the speakers, it gives me hope because I have often wondered like, oh my God, is Jake ever going to get a job? Right. You know, I mean, you think of all these crazy things. So I just want to say, thank you. It's interesting to hear these two perspectives. Hey, Amy. So, um, I appreciate you sharing that. So in high school, um, you know, I took a, a career test, um, you know, like you answer like a series of standardized questions and they tell you what, kind of careers you'd be suited for. And I probably answered things, you know, that said, I never want to have to talk. I never want to have to do this, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And so they said, um, one survey said I would be like um, a forest ranger and another one was like um, a circus clown and nothing against those professions. I'm sure that's wonderful, but, you know, um, very different from what I'm doing now, obviously, where every day I have to be talking to people. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, just to echo like everything that we've been saying during the session, you know, um, I had those same thoughts about myself. I know my parents had those same concerns about, you know, am I going to be able to have a job and talk to people? And absolutely, yes. You know, it's, um, it gets better. Yeah, I mean, the two things that I, I would say, Amy, is um, I tell people that I coach all, all the time, don't focus on what was left out, focus on what was left in. And I think we as stutterers always focus on the stutter. And we, but we, we do have superpowers. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, And, um, and then it's when you don't let avoidance stop you from talking, that is when you will limit your career. If you avoid situations, you will limit. but when you go through, even if you do stutter, you will, uh, I've, I mean, I've interviewed lawyers who stutter. I've, um, it's, so it's really about um, the only way out is through it. And if yeah. you turn the other way, you know. So. I also think it was interesting talking about the empathy. Um, I have three children, Jake's my middle child, and he is more empathetic um, you know, than any of my other children. And and I think that comes from everybody has something and you don't know it, you know, and stuttering is silent, right? Like Jake doesn't um, have a disability that you can see from looking at him. Um, So I I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Any other questions or comments? Thanks, Amy. 
other questions or comments for Rob? Okay, well, I, I do know it's dinner hour. Um, I just sort of want to remind you guys what, what Nolan Starting Foundation is going to be doing next. We, we'll have a podcast channel on Apple, Spotify, um, et cetera, in, a, in about a month, right? Jack, Jack Nolan is the program coordinator, and, and we're working right now on getting that set up. We're going to be doing a, a springboard workshop next year. This is in addition to Jack, um, Joe Donaher's intensive. And it's meant for um, it's meant for sort of older young people, right, who are like eighth grade on up to begin to elevate. Um, and then I'll be starting springboard uh, peer groups. So, um, Rob, I, I want to thank you so much uh, uh, for, for for being vulnerable and and uh, sharing experiences where you were and where you are now. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's nice yes, seeing thanks, everybody. everybody. Yep. Nolan Stuttering Foundations, or NSF's primary purpose is to bring young people who stutter together and help them become the best versions of themselves. We do this through programming design to help them share and navigate the unique communication and psychological challenge they experience. NSF helps prepare young people to take the next step in their lives, whether it's high school, college, or, or, or your, your career. For ideas and, and contributions to the podcast, contact us at info at nolansf.org.